What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn. Yes. Guess what? What? New year, new ad. Oh, I like it. I thought you were going to say new year, new you. Nah, I'm still the same shitty version of me. <laughs> you know who's not a shitty version of themselves anymore? Go ahead and tell me. The boof head. The fading boof head? Eins a wiener. Oh, my God. Einswick dog quip. Yes. Jason's only half the man he was uh, a year ago. I know. He's on an amazing journey. But Incredible. he still sells- Amazing equipment. The best equipment you can get in Australia. Yes, he does. If you want dog training equipment, he's the only man to go to. Yep. It turns out it's not just equipment either. He did those cages for my car. I know. And they're fucking rad. They are really good. Yeah. He's like, got a new range of stuff. There's a new line of gear. I think it's called Klim or something like that. Klein. Klein, is it? Yeah, I think Klein. Klein. That's okay. how I read it. Yeah, Klim Klein. Yeah, well, they make mad stuff. Yeah, really good stuff. Yeah. So I've got to do a little review for him on that, but go and check out his website because he has got one. Yes. Yeah. Eins a wiener, dog quip. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help but say that. Eins weck. E-I-N-Z-W-E-C-K. Yeah. Is it? Is that correct? Yeah. Eins weck? Yeah. Eins weck, dog quip. Check it out. If you're in Australia, that's the only place you should be getting your dog gear from. Yep. None of those other places. That's right. Just go straight to the buffet. Yeah. Just say, hey, buffet, give us a deal. Now, I know you North Americans mm. are probably just like, God damn. What I about us? I could buy some of that what stuff. What about me? Yeah. So, I think if you want treadmills, you can actually still get them through Jason because mm-hmm. he sort of just is the middle guy anyway. And he knows he knows who's making the good meals yeah, he and knows who's meals. not. Yep. Mm. But if you want other dog training equipment- Mach le point. Mach le point. Yes. Yeah. It's French for Mark. All around, good guy, Canadian. Amazing guy. Mac very, LePoint. very good man. Yeah. Yep. And he's got everything. He's like Canon Dynamics, has bite training equipment, leashes, tugs, all the normal stuff you'd expect to see. They are a, dynamic. Yeah. Mm. His website is much better than Jason. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact, too. <laughs> I actually was a client of Canon Dynamics before mm-hmm. we knew MacLapoint. Yes. And the, the purchase process was seamless. Yeah. The website's amazing. It's very good. It's very detailed and it's laid out well. And he yeah. covers all of North America, yeah. which Canada is included in that as well. Well, yep. he's in Canada. Yeah. Ma- Canada Dynamics is Canadian. Yes, I know. Yeah. Yeah, he's, so, yeah. he's in Ottawa, isn't he? Uh, something like that. Yeah. No. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's in North we America. Still love him. If you want dog training And he supports our show. Thank get you. Get it from there. Thank you, Mark Point. We have one other sponsor. Yes. Melanie Benware. Yep. Kindred Canine. Kindred Canine. Yep. From the train town itself, Ashland, Virginia. Yep. So if you need in-home behavior modification. Yep. She'll come around and look after We did after a whole dog. episode on we did. the way she does it. She yeah. very kindly gave away her whole business model to she everybody. Did. Yep. At so the end of 2020. The homeschool program. If you know someone that needs the homeschool program, yep. get them on to Melody Benware, Kindred yes. Canine. Yep. Or, you know what? what? People should probably, if they want to learn more about homeschool program beyond what she gave away for free on the show. Great idea. They should get in contact with her and yep. she should charge them to teach them about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mel, we just opened up a whole new revenue stream for you. Absolutely. You're welcome.
Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio by my co-host, Glenn Cook. And joining us on the phone all the way from America for his... Is he a third or fourth time, Larry, on the Second. show? Second. No, no. We've had him on the phone. We did it in person. This would be at least the third. I think third. Third. Okay. Well, third. okay. Yeah. I'm behind the times. Larry Crone, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Always appreciate being asked to be on. You guys, uh, you guys do a hell of a job, man. I love your stuff. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Apparently, too. we're uh, Ken and Dolly. <laughs> you're just so you're just so good. You know, I, I listen. I listened to your last podcast, and to be honest, I kind of took a little break. I needed a break from podcasts and books, and vi- mm-hmm. I just needed a mental break. You know what I mean? And I just started back up and I was thinking, man, you guys, you're really good at what you do and you, you're just the perfect team when it comes to this. And it's nice that there's two separate opinions and voices there. I just enjoy it. I enjoy mm-hmm. all you guys. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah, thank you, you very much. I did especially like being compared to Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. I was basically <laughs> raised on that in my house. My parents loved that stuff. So it was a huge compliment like you can't even imagine. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I mean, what a great couple to be compared to. There were two songs about Kenny Rogers that I really loved as a kid growing up, and that was Lady and The Coward of the County. Oh, me too, man. Yeah. You know what? I still have them on my playlist, and Coward of the County is always just painted that picture. You know, it, yeah. it, it tells a story, and, and you could just see that happening. I love it. You know Lionel Richie wrote Lady? Yes, I saw a reunion between the two of them. I don't know if it was a Grammy show or anything like that, but he told about how I think Lionel Richie wrote it on the toilet or something like that. And the two of them were laughing and then they got up and sang it together. And, mate, it brought a tear to my eye watching the two of them sing it together. It was just a beautiful rendition of the song. Fantastic. Yeah, good stuff. So what's happening in dogs, fellas? Not just country music. Mm. We haven't caught up with you, Larry, since the ISAP conference. Where was that one? That that, That was in Colorado. In Colorado. And we you were speaking there. We got into that little sweatshop room that we had there and we had a good conversation. So let's yeah. catch up. What's been happening in your dog world over the last 12 months? Not too much has changed. With the whole COVID thing, I've gotten busier. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for, for that. You know, I don't take that for granted. I think because we have less time in every other area in our lives. It's definitely made the dog stuff a little easier for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I hate that there's so many in our industry that are hurting, suffering. That kind of sucks. And it almost almost makes you feel a little guilty that you're kind of on the opposite end of things Mm -hmm. because nothing's really changed here, you know? And I guess I'm just in an area that I'm not going to say we haven't been hit hard because everybody has, of course. You know, but it just seems like the people I'm dealing with, nothing has changed. You know, we're just trucking along and boy, as much of a good time as we had in Colorado, if we only would have known, (laughs) I think we would have extended that trip a little bit, you know? Absolutely. It's an interesting thing that survivor's guilt, it's kind of like what a lot of people have and especially in industries that have flourished under the strange circumstances that are around, it can be really can be a strange feeling to be doing well when other people are not, you know? It is. Yeah, it's not always something that makes you feel so good, mm. you know? I resonate with that because, you know, like there's a few times where we've said it's hard to know what to do or how to do the right thing, but the positive messages that have been coming through, and I'm sure you're getting these as well, Larry, is that people are messaging us collectively and individually saying, you know, thank you so much for keeping the show going. While times have been tough and things haven't been so good, hearing you guys and the positive message you're doing, the education, the laughs, 
and just the entertainment that you're putting out there for people is really keeping our spirits up. That itself has been a real blessing to hear that from other people as well. I'm sure you're getting the same thing, mate, because when I reached out to you and said, love to have you on the show, you kind of said, oh, really? You know, like you want to talk to me again? And I thought, well, mate, you know, you've been putting out so much great content lately and really keeping people's spirits up. And I mean, to be honest, in your own country you're and around the world, respectively, you're a bit of a national treasure because you've been giving people so much generous content and really keeping the wheels turning in the industry over there. So it's a huge thank you from us, mate, because I enjoy watching what you're doing and the people that you're speaking to and the message that you're putting out there. And you're very positive about how you're doing that as well. So great stuff, Laz. Larry. <laughs> I've got a mate called Larry and I call him Laz. <laughs> I, well, well, actually, my Australian friends call me Laz. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, so a lot of them over there. Uh, I appreciate that a lot, Glenn. You know, when you asked me, I was like, really? You know, I feel like I'm so oversaturated in the industry and I don't want to be that guy that just tries to put out stuff to put out stuff. You know what I mean? I never want to get to that point. I try to get on and do something if I think I have something that may benefit someone. And you got to remember, I'm dealing with mostly people in just the pet dog industry, people that are really struggling and have nowhere to turn. They know nothing. And so sometimes I feel, you know, we deal with so many trainers, all three of us do, you know, that you almost feel like you want to apologize to the people who know all this stuff and say, hey, you know, you got to understand, guys, we take this stuff for granted. But the average dog owner has no clue, no clue what they're doing or where to start or where to turn. And then they wind up spending a ton of money with someone who's basically not going to help them. They're not going to give them the education. And they're no different than they were before, except now they've spent a lot of money, you mm -hmm. know. And so I, I just try to keep really harping on the basics, the, the simple things that sometimes we all take for granted a little bit. That's all. One thing I wanted to have a chat with you about today, mate, is that like you do put out a lot of content and across a lot of different platforms, right? You've been doing those Facebook lives. I think you do those into Instagram as well. And then you've got like a huge back catalog of stuff on YouTube. That's all you yeah. know, free information that goes out to people. Something that I've noticed that you handle very well, and I wanted to sort of have a mm. discussion with you about it is criticism that you would get online. Because as yeah. we know, like you can't please everybody, right? And I think there's right. many reasons why people would do that. Jealousy is one. And, you know, people just don't agree with what you have to say. That's fair enough as well, right? There's all these different reasons. But I think once you develop a certain level of profile, it's inevitable that the hate comes in. And you're an interesting person yeah. I wanted to sort of discuss that with because you're very active. So like I look at all your, when people comment on stuff, you reply. And so you must see some of the negative comments that come in also. Like some people, you know, they put up content and it's like set and forget and they don't know, like people could be saying horrible things and they could give a fuck. They don't even look right. But you must see it because I sure. see you replying to other people. So if it's cool with you, man, I wanted to sort of discuss that a little bit. Yeah. You know, there was a time, Pat, where the negative stuff would really affect me. I really let it bother me because I think sometimes some of it came from a place where I think maybe they thought I was trying to do something I wasn't. You know, I wasn't very uh, honest in what I was doing or there was some kind of hidden agenda. And there's never been, you know, there's never been. And so there was a time where it bothered me. But as you go on and, and what I tell people when they come to, to my defense is, guys, I get anywhere between 
two and 500 messages a day that I see. Emails, text messages, phone calls, and 99.9% of them are unbelievably positive, like really, really good stuff. I tried to focus more on that. And what I've noticed is the people that really go out of their, their way to come for me, it's always the same type of person, meaning they haven't got a lot of positive attention for their ability or their dog training. Mm-hmm. They're struggling in their personal life or they're struggling in their business life. Many are struggling in both. And they've tried getting their information out there and it, no one has interest in it because it's not very good, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And so I put out so much stuff. I'm an easy target. And I know I tell people when I do these seminars, if I only knew me through videos, I would not like me very much because <laughs> I look like I come off like an arrogant douchebag and I'm not. But if I find that something has worked for me over and over and over again, not just with my dogs or one or two dogs here, but over and over, I'm going to share it. If you could use it, great. If you say it's shit, that's okay. And I never mind anyone criticizing my training. What I don't have tolerance or patience for is the bullshit lies that a few people out there like to kind of focus on. You know, I have no tolerance for liars, none. And I'm at a point now You know, for the past 25 years, as we were talking about earlier, I've had to watch everything I do and say. So I've had to learn to be very, very patient because people could use my job against me. It's been done once before. Maybe more, I just don't know of it. But once before, I had a trainer try to use my job against me and contact my agency. Now, I'm a free man. I can do and say whatever the the hell I want. And it's all right, Larry, you can say fuck on our show. You nearly said it then. You can say it. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and like, like I said, you can criticize my training. You don't have to. I'm, oh, I'm totally OK with that because I tell everybody that I work with when I do these seminars, this is just my way. Doesn't mean it's the only way. Doesn't even mean it's the best way. This is just the way I do things. But if you're going to run your mouth and you're going to make up lies and say things that you shouldn't now. I have no issue with smacking someone in the mouth because I have nothing to lose for it. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a good guy. I'm a really, I'm a really nice guy, but I could be a real motherfucker too. I really can. And there comes a time where certain people could only push your buttons so much. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it, you, you guys know how it is. You could turn the cheek, you could turn your cheek 99% of the time, but there's just that one day that for some reason, the same shit that never bothers you just goes through you and you want to turn into a savage. Mm-hmm. That's what concerns me. And that's what my wife talks to me about every single day. Because before I started my career, guys, with the government, I was a hothead. You know, I, I was a, a very aggressive, angry person at times. And I think she's so scared of me going back to that because now I don't have to worry. Mm. But most of it's good. And, and again, if you look at the people that do criticize, it's the same type of person. They just have nothing going for themselves. And the other thing I do hate is when they do make some kind of comment or I'll give you an example. I put up a video of that Anatolian shepherd the other day, extremely dry, boring stuff. Right. But I tried to show everything. I try to show as much as I can. It's not fun to watch. It's not sexy. So right away, you're going to get the people that talk about 
how the owner should not have this dog. This dog is meant to be aggressive towards dogs. This dog should be out in the field protecting livestock. Well, guess what? No shit. No <laughs> shit. And, and here's what you don't know, asshole. That dog was out on a farm. That dog was given a job that it was bred to do, and the dog couldn't do it. It was failing, and it was being attacked by other dogs. Yeah, it was right. pushed out of the pack. So these are the little things. There's always a story there, but people just think they know. So instead of criticizing a person, she's busting her ass to keep the dog alive in a really tough situation with other dogs in the home. You know what I mean? People should just, they should really think before they say something so stupid thinking that well, we haven't addressed that or we, or we don't know this you, you mm -hmm. know and i know that's a long-winded answer but that's that shit gets old man it really does no it's a good answer man mm -hmm. and i appreciate it i think that you know a big thing that we see on social media around the world at the moment is just the failure to appreciate nuance and so people see like they kind of look at content with intent to find a problem. And the moment they do, then they're like, aha, I got you. Right. And there's a lot of things, you know, then, ah, here, here I go. I'm going to type this out. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you, fuck you. I'm going to look like a hero. And there's just this failure to sort of look at things and go, Hmm, how do they get to that point? Like, what is like, I don't have to agree with you. And this is, you know, to speak on bigger things than dogs, everything that's going on in the world at the moment, you know, you can look at stuff and go, sure. I don't agree with you and I doubt I ever will, but I will try very hard to try and figure out how you got to that point of view, right? Like how is it, what is the set of circumstances that led you to think that was the right thing to say, or that was the right thing to do? And I think sometimes now, like people have become quite tribal to the, you know, to the detriment of the bigger tribe. I sort of think about this a lot, like a lot of the personality traits that cause us to fight with each other were actually sort of selected for when we were small tribes that had to fight together, not against each other. So, you know, a perfect example is, you know, and I don't want to get political, but when we talk about, say, left and right leaning people, well, the idea is that right. you're meant to work together. You're meant to work in unison and sort of end up in the middle. You're not meant to actually turn on each other. You're meant to have, right. there's not meant to be a left tribe and there's not meant to be a right tribe. There's meant to be one tribe that has a bunch of people that say, hey, like, this is how we should do things. And the other group of people say, yeah, I hear that, but this is what, what I think. And maybe in a certain set of circumstances, we listen to these guys and in a certain set of circumstances, these guys are, you know, lead to a better lifestyle. And it's really meant to work together rather than at each other because they don't like, it's not how we're meant to live. We're not meant to be fighting with each other. We're meant to be working together, trying to not be eaten by fucking saber toothed tigers, right? I see that trickling into the social media space, into the dog world. And the dog world's just, it solicits emotion in a way that we I don't see anywhere else, maybe in horses. People tell me it's the same in the horse world, but I, I, you know, I don't know where you can just look at someone, the 30 second clip of an hour long thing that happened and go, Oh, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Fuck you. Right. Like you don't know anything. Right. You go, Hang on, man. Like you don't have any context. You're just looking at that one piece and how dare you develop an opinion on someone from a 30 second clip of a 50 year old man who's got like 50 years of unseen things by you leading to that one circumstance. I feel really passionate about it. I, you know, I was talking to someone this morning just about like, it's critical thinking, you know, looking past what you see and understanding how did it get to this point, right? Like how did, I think this is a, a large part of, yeah, I seem to talk about it a fair bit lately, like training that I had in the army where 
you know, if you're going to drop a JDAM on someone, you've really got to be fucking sure that they deserve to have that JDAM dropped on them because it's too late. Once you pull the trigger on that, it's going down. Tell right? everyone what a JDAM is. Like a 500-pound bomb, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you've really got to sit there and think, like, is this the right thing to do? Am I 100% sure that that's the guy? There's a whole massive list of checks and balances before you can go, all right, I'm going to do it. And I think more and more people within the social media space and looking at people content that they put out need to have a bit of a checklist that they go through prior to commenting, right? Where they look at it and go, right, like, am I sure I fully understand what's happening here? Am I sure that what I'm hearing him say makes sense in the way that I you know, I interpret it. Am I sure that he's using that word in the context in which I understand it? Mm. And when you go through that whole checklist, then maybe you go, yeah, okay, I've decided that's an asshole. But maybe if you go through that checklist, you go, oh, maybe there's a misunderstanding here. Or maybe I'm the asshole. You know, <laughs> like it's funny you're speaking about this, both of you, because there's a trainer that is on the other side of the world to all of us who has largely preached against the type of training that we're doing. And not long ago, he came undone with a whole mm. expose of scandal. And it turned out that it was quite legitimate. So I won't mention what it was because I'm sure a lot of people already know what it was, but I'm not going to mention on here just be, in case there's any legal ramifications about it. But there was a side of me that wanted to get into the nuts and bolts about it because I wanted to vindicate our position on it. And I think, yeah, fuck you. You know, like you've slammed us for so long. You had this coming, blah, blah, blah. But then I thought, hmm. What would Pat do in this situation? (laughs) Because Pat is often the person who sits next to me and goes, dude, you really should critically think about these sort of things. So my response to it in a lot of those times was, did he deserve this? Is it true? What's the evidence around it? Like, is this a legitimate claim? And then people started to present the legitimacy to me and show me fact around it. And I said, well, that's very unfortunate and quite sad that this has happened in our industry. And this was allowed to happen. And I hope that this person is prosecuted or, you know, the law does take this seriously. So rather than add to it with just smiting me like everybody else seems to do on social media these days, I sort of sat back from it and thought, no, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to I'm going to take a, a more educated and a little bit of a better stance on it. And I think he copped enough flack over it already from every justice warrior on the internet. So rather than just join the tribe and get our pitchforks and our torches out and go after and hunt the monster down, it was interesting just to hear the backstory on it and find out a little bit more fact about it. I think you mentioned it before, Pat, when there's a lot of people who haven't done anything wrong, they've actually done a lot of right things. But I also think there's a lot of people who just want to really get their time in the limelight. We talked about this in the last show, Larry, how people just are searching for a way to get themselves recognized and sometimes criticizing and having a loud voice in the comments gets them a little bit of that attention where people will start turning on them and they're kind of thinking, huh, I got it. I finally got you to bite and I finally got the attention because the person that I'm going after knows my name now. You know, guys, you very rarely see me jump into any negative conversations. I used to. I just don't do it anymore for a couple of reasons. For one, I'm a lot happier not participating, Mm -hmm. you know, and for two, nothing good really ever comes of it. And the kind of people that you're talking about, they have to put out the negative content because they got they never got any attention for any of their own positive content. They have no choice. Okay, so you have trainers out there that have bashed. Every single decent trainer we know, 
right? Then they bash the whole marketing thing and the internet thing and the social media thing. And then they say, like, and share this video, join my <laughs> Patreon. You fucking jerk off. You know how stupid you look doing that? Do you yeah. know? I mean, come on, huh? Well, what, what are you doing? What in the world are you doing? You're making a fool of yourself. Mm. You're making a fool of yourself. And I just stay away from it. I've tried Every person that's come at me hard, I mean, made videos about me and stuff, I've literally been willing to talk to, right? I've literally offered to sit down and talk to them. And it never goes the way they plan or I plan because they don't want to have an honest conversation, you know? Don't tell people, oh, no one will come on my lives and talk to me. And then when I offer, oh, no, we're not going to do it live. We'll record it. Why don't you want me to come on the live? What are you scared that I'm going to say? You know what I mean? I mean, that's a coward. That's an absolute coward. But more importantly, it's a liar. And if you're lying about that, what else are you lying about? You know, Mm. and people start to see through that and they start leaving those people little by little and their flock gets smaller and smaller and smaller because people aren't that stupid. They eventually start catching up. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I know what you're referring to because I did see that interview and I was curious myself as to why that was recorded and not allowed to be live. Well, what you also don't know is I heard people talking about my body language and where my eyes were not looking at the screen. You know what? Tell people. You want to be honest, tell people, hey, he couldn't see nothing. He had a black screen because of the app that was being used. So I'm sitting there trying to do an interview with someone. I don't have someone to look at or talk to. Mm. Okay. There was no honest conversation there. Okay. Then let me tell you one more little thing that I didn't tell a lot of people, but I've shown people this same trainer. I think probably got his panties in a bind for a while back. He sent me a, a Facebook message and I saved it. I screenshotted it. And all it said was, thank you for your wisdom, sir. After I put out a video telling people, hey, don't follow a fucking trainer because they're popular when you know they're frying dogs. It was something to that effect, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is, if I'm not friends with you on Facebook, I don't see those messages. So once things got ugly there, I went back to send him a message and say, hey, what the fuck's the deal? I'll come on your live. Let's." And I saw that for the first time. It was a year old. Mm. So I think maybe some feelings were hurt thinking I was blowing them off and too good to respond to them. And I saved it. I'll send it to you. I'll, I'll show you the screenshot. OK, that was the message. And then a year later, when you say, well, I never heard of this guy until someone sent me a video. Really? Who did you send the message to? Because I got it. And there's a lot of lies there that I'm going to start talking about a little bit here because I'm getting tired of the bullshit, man. I'm getting tired of it. And I don't have to remain quiet anymore. One month from now, I could be a fucking savage. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like I've opened Pandora's box. <laughs> oh, close it again. Oh, it's, 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 it's coming. Don't you worry. All right. Well, I'm going to call this. uh, I'm going to call about this. I'll be talking about this. Oh my God. Uh, Let's change gears. I'm going to call this episode shaking the box of wasps. Oh my gosh. All right. Let me change gears. Larry, (laughs) let's talk some dogs. Tell, tell us what's changed in the last 12 months with you changing dogs. Like what has been something that you've been doing with a dog, your own dog, client dog, whatever, dog at a workshop, anything that, didn't go the way you planned and then you went, oh, fuck, now I have a new skill or now I've seen something go a new way. Like what's shaken the boat for you in the last 12 months? Um, 
the the biggest change I've made, guys, that's that's been for the positive in, in a big way is we talked about it a little earlier. I think sometimes we take for granted what people understand. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I've simplified things for the people I work with so much so it's hard for them to fail. And in the past year or so, I've done that to the extreme. I've really backed off on what I ask of people, especially in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, I've made it so unbelievably easy and simple that I think a lot of them after the first two times we meet are probably thinking, I paid good money here and we're not doing much training. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess, I really think they believe that. You know what I mean? Because I keep it so simple and so basic that they can't fail. They can't. It's almost impossible for them to. And then as we get going, then all of a sudden I start, you know, really pushing like, okay, guys, today things change. And what I have found from that is people that have absolutely no ability to train their own dog, you know, everyday dog people that struggle. And, you know, even the average dog owner comes at different levels of their handling skills, right? So even if you take the people that struggle the most, what I started finding was they're really doing well. Like real, like there's times where I show up for that third lesson and I say, today we start pushing it. And when I see them for the fourth, whether it's two weeks later or three weeks later, you know, I'm going to myself, holy shit, I didn't know these people were capable, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that's part of the reason why I wasn't so sure you guys wanted me on here to talk. I'm a really simple, simple, basic, really as basic as it gets when it comes to dog training and it's not sexy and exciting, but I'm pretty hard on myself. But I think the one thing that I do give myself credit for is I've really figured out a way over the past several years to connect with the average person to really make things happen long-term for true long-term everlasting results. I don't give a shit about the now or the tomorrow. Mm. I mean, you know, when, when I talk to a client, that I worked with six, seven, eight years ago, and they're still doing well, that's what I care about these days. And that's what I'm getting, you know, as far as struggling, I'm struggling with the dog right now, that Anatolian shepherd. I've worked with a bunch of flock guardian dogs this year that have kicked my ass, you know, I mean, really, oh man. And sometimes I'm honest with people up front and I tell them, guys, you don't understand, you know, this dog, isn't going to look like the German shepherd I trained down the street. You have to understand this, Mm. but most people really understand and and they, they trust me. They know I'm not going to lie to them. And some of them have gone easier than I thought, but others it's like you dread that lesson because you have to give that dog what it needs. And sometimes it's so slow and so mundane. It's tough, but that Anatolian again, that I put the video up the other day, what people don't realize is that dog is in a muzzle because it'll turn and attack the owner in a heartbeat. Mm. And the outbursts when it sees a dog were quite scary. We can't go near the dog park anymore. We just can't. So she's really done a tremendous job. And at one point, I kind of vented to her a little bit to where I told her my frustrations and I, I wasn't happy. I was frustrated. And I think she felt bad and she says she's doing her best. And no, you don't understand. I'm not frustrated with you. I'm frustrated with me. I said, because I have not been able to give you 
what you need right now. I don't have you at a level that I think you should be. And that's my fault. So I'm very frustrated and disappointed in myself. And so she kind of had to remind me like, hey, I don't think you remember how far we've come. And I'm really happy with where we're at here. So please don't give up on us. I said, well, shit, I'm not giving up on you. I kind of started giving up on me a little bit. You know what I mean? And so sometimes you just have to have an honest conversation like that with people because it can be frustrating with those dogs. Listen, we could be at a dog park with that dog outside, you know, training from a distance and dog after dog is going by and the dog's doing beautifully. We've come so far, just incredible, no issues. Lane. And then all of a sudden, a certain dog or a certain person or a certain situation and the dog explodes and you're back to where you were before and you're like, man, this is tough. Mm. You know, this is really, really tough. Man, I, so, I haven't been online much, uh, so I haven't seen – I do remember seeing like one post, but tell us a little bit about what I have found really hard with those livestock guarding dogs in the past is finding a way to reinforce them, right? Because they don't want anything you've got. And I've had ones yeah. that would starve themselves days, like without taking food. They yeah. just don't care for it. They don't want to play with you no matter, you know, your best efforts. Like tell us about with this particular dog, how are you reinforcing it? Because I'll admit I have, you know, to still Glenn's term, we say that positive first. And I like to show things using positive reinforcement and that kind of thing. But in the past with dogs like that, it's been straight negative reinforcement because there's just nothing the fucking dog wants that I can give to it in a way that is reinforcing. Like it wants to kill me, but I can't allow it to do that. Like we can jackpot once, but then the training's over. Right? <laughs> so tell us about how you, you know, what are you using as a reinforcer on that dog? Yeah. With that dog, she does take food quite nicely now and okay. her obedience, her obedience is going really well. She's doing great with the obedience. With some of the other ones I'm working with now, one in particular, you could probably go six days without feeding her and she wouldn't take food. Mm. But she's an unbelievably affectionate dog, right. super loving dog. And so everything was done just with the leash, with negative reinforcement and affection. But when I say basic, I'm talking teaching the dog to walk with you, sit, heel, sit, heel, sit, good job, big rubs, big hugs. And I mean one day for a whole hour. That was it. Mm. You know, I had to start someplace because there was nothing. Mm. The dog couldn't walk with you. The dog didn't know how to sit or wouldn't sit. The dog won't take anything. And so I just had to take the dog away from the owner and spend some time alone with it and just really make that connection to where the first time that dog's ass hit the ground, I made a pretty big deal about it. I really did, you know, and then it started coming quicker and quicker. But that first time, implementing the leash using negative reinforcement. It was, it was a physical battle, mm. you know, it, it really was. And the dog was like, yeah, this isn't happening, mm. you know? And I did my best just to, you know, very slight pressure and, and keeping it consistent, but literally from the slightest movement to the ass to the ground was a win. And I rewarded her physically. Mm. And the next time it got just slightly easier. And then the next time easier. And by the time we got back to the house, the dog was doing absolutely fantastic. And now the family takes that dog everywhere. I mean, they go everywhere with it, you know, yes. out in public, out in parks, they run to the grocery store, the dog goes with it. So the dog is living a really good life, but I had to find something completely different. And with that dog, affection was a really big thing. But at the same time, any kind of corrections, whether it be kind of just changing my attitude to where I'm not happy with her, the dog just folds. So you got to be real careful. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's been a great lesson for me and 
when you think you're patient and you think you take your time, these dogs will show you you're not that patient and you have to take more time. (laughs) Yeah. That for me has always been the killer with those livestock Mm. guarding dogs is the time component. Like, you know, and you feel bad as a professional taking money from people. Like, you know, especially if the dog's not staying with you, you're going to them and trying to explain that piece to them. Like, you know, this dog has been genetically engineered to not take food from strangers, to not want to develop a relationship from strangers, to fight pressure, to avoid being lured away from what it has decided is the thing to guard. So like we're fighting probably thousands of years of genetic engineering. And the only way that I can get through that is to develop a relationship with the dog and have the dog want to work with me. And that's nothing I can do to speed that up. You know, you get a hungry little Labrador and you give him a piece of kibble and he's like, you're my best friend. <laughs> so like I can develop yeah. a relationship real fast, but with those dogs, they have to, you have to genuinely have them come around to the idea of liking you before that praise is a reinforcer because prior to that, they could give two shits, right? They're the introverts of the dog world. Yeah, man, it's hard work. And, and it's interesting that you say there, Larry, like once you do develop that relationship, how how devastating the removal of it can be to those dogs as well. And that like, yeah, you can give it to them as reinforcement, but that yeah. stern look or like, hey, I'm upset and you've like, you've, you know, you're not doing the right thing. That can be way too much pressure and they crumble and it can be, you know, weeks or, well, it can be hours of FaceTime to get back to where you were, you know, prior to that. It's hard work. Yeah, it's tricky. It really is, for sure. Very rewarding. Yeah, definitely. You know? Hearing you talking about this story, both of you going backwards and forwards on it, there was years ago when I was a younger trainer and I was working full-time doing board and trains and private lessons in a kennel in, when I used to live in Melbourne, Victoria. And I had this staffie come in and this was one of my nemesis dogs. And I remember this dog distinctly because nothing that I was doing was working. It just didn't work. And I just could not get through this dog. And I just had a reign of probably about five or six dogs before that that really went out beautifully, you know, like golden retrievers, labs, shepherds. And all of these dogs were responding well to training. And I got this staffy in and it was so broken and so neurotic that everything that I was doing just seemed to be contradicting all my understanding of training. You know, I was reaching out to other people and saying, what am I doing wrong? What's happening? And... I had the dog in for three weeks and I rang the owners probably about two weeks and I said, look, I think you'd better come and get the dog. I just don't think this training is going well and I'm not even going to charge you for it. So please come and talk to me. We'll do a bit of a run through of what I've been doing. And they came and I was showing them what I was doing with the dog and what we'd done today. And the lady was bawling and I'm thinking, oh, fuck, I'm going to get a a bake out of her right now. Like she's going to unleash on me because <laughs> she was just sobbing, like tears were squirting out of her eyes. I'm bracing myself for the tongue lashing off because I'm thinking she's going to say, you've destroyed my dog, you've made it worse. And she's going, I've never seen him so good. And I'm going, what? (laughs) And she's going, oh, I've never seen this. Like I've been to other trainers and he's never done any. Well, for me, it wasn't because it was so below my standard that I was horrified that she thought that was good. She goes, oh, we have to pay. And I said, no, 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 I'm not taking any money for this because I really didn't want other trainers to look at this dog and say, well, Glenn Cook had his hands on that dog and charge for it. I mean, I was happy they were happy, but I was really perplexed about it. Like I didn't go home and celebrate that and see that as a victory. I was still really in a real heavy state of contradiction over it. Like I just thought I can't understand how they were happy about it. But in the same token, I was happy that they were happy about it. But it really, it divided me on so many levels. 
Yeah, I totally understand. You know, I've I've been there too. And I think sometimes you have to understand <laughs> what we are satisfied with is not always what people expect and require or need. Mm-hmm. But it's a good thing to hold ourselves to to a high standard. You know, it 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 shows that you you care and you're not just there to take a check from someone. And you know, that's what I tell people. When you give me a check to train your dog, I take it really serious. And Pretty much, I don't care what my program says, time-wise, I'm this dog's trainer for the life of the dog as mm. long as you want me, <laughs> you know? And and that's that's what I tell everyone. As long as you want me, I'm this dog's trainer. I don't care if it lives to be 15 years old because you have to be realistic and, and people have normal lives and they're not going to do everything they need to do forever. And sometimes you have to just show up out of the blue and give people what they need just to remind them of how things can backslide very easily, you know? Yeah. It's an interesting comment you made before, Larry, when you said that it's not very sexy. And I agree with you that the home dog training market or the public dog training market isn't often seen as very sexy because we're not focused on perfection or, you know, the beautiful heels or the lightning fast drops or the quick returns to fronts and so forth, where it's more focused on helping normal everyday people communicate with their dogs, like finding some way to get through, you know, Pat did a topic on our Patreon the other day about clarity. And that's effectively what we're trying to do in a way. We're trying to do that in the pet dog market is we're trying to develop some form of clarity that the two species can understand each other. Like there's a binary connection between the two of them. So It isn't seen as sexy, but man, let me tell you, there's some fucking heroes in the pet dog training world. There's some people that are really transformative in what they have done. And I mean, these are everyday people that you would never hear of. They're just people that go into people's homes. They actually build that clarity and they design that connection between the person and the dog and they keep that fucking dog in the home. And to me... You know, there's some amazing people in the sports dog people. I copped some flack a while ago. Somebody connected with me and it was a good conversation. It wasn't a wasn't a negative conversation, but they said, oh, you sound like you're down on the sport dog world. I said, not at all. I've got nothing but admiration and respect for people in the sport dog world. You know, like I think we've, especially Pat has given some very good justifications of what people are doing and the genetics they're preserving and the benefit of what we're doing and building better and stronger dogs overall from the sport dog world. But- Not everybody's going to own those dogs. They're owning the dogs like you're talking about, the Anatolians and those type of staffies and, you know, like every breed in between that you could possibly think of. The pures, the mix, it doesn't really matter. But they're so overwhelmingly more popular than those sport dogs. Like the pet dog market is absolutely abundant. And with that abundance becomes so many problems too, because there is the velocity of, of all those dogs, there's an enormous demand for broken dogs out there. And when people can actually go in and they can build that connection with the owners, hats off to them. I mean, i got total respect for those people. Yes, I agree. It's not sexy, but it's absolutely beneficial. Sure. What I hope more young trainers start to realize too is We focus so much on the dogs and everyone talks about training the dog in front of them. Everyone knows that now and all dogs are different, Mm. but they got to start seeing the people like that. Mm. Not all people are the same. You have to work with the person in front of you. You know, you have to get to know them. And if you establish that relationship and get to know these people, it's a world of difference because you know what they're capable of and what makes them tick. And when they get comfortable with you, the sky's the limit. You know, I have 
unbelievable clients, like tremendous clients. And every, just about every lesson we do, like with most of the clients I see, unless they're really in a bad situation, we have a great time. I mean, we laugh, we bust each other's balls. We just, you know, we crack on each other. And when you get people doing that, when they're having a good time, they learn better, just like the dogs learn better when they're having a good time, mm. you know? And I still think there's not enough emphasis or focus on the people itself. And once you make that connection, man, it just makes life so much easier. You know, it really does. I 100% agree. And I appreciate that. But I'll admit, one of my favorite clients, I won't say his name because of what I'm about to say, is I think he might be on the spectrum, right? And in the first lesson we did, he said, hey, I'm not interested in being your friend. I'm here to get your knowledge. So don't sugarcoat anything. And I was, I hugged him. I was like, you are my favorite client (laughs) right away. And he's like, so I'm buying your time. I don't want the pleasantries. I don't, I know what I'm doing right. I'm here to have you fix what I'm doing wrong. So just fucking tell me that. And I was like, oh my God, I love you so much. Right. Because it's so rare that you get to ever do that. Mm. And you know, like, you know, from military background, like that's how it is in the army. People just tell you like, Hey, you fuck that up, fix this. There's no, like, you don't have to have the cuddle of like, don't worry, you're still doing good. Like a lot of the times you not have so many layers. Yeah. With mm. pet dog owners, you really got to do that. You got to make them feel good and you got to make sure that, you know, less important that they understand what you're saying, more important they understand how you make them feel and then pass that on to the dog and all those sorts of things. But honestly, one of my favorite clients, he just said to me, no, like just feed it to me straight. And I was like, yes, love you that's, so much. That's sure. That's, 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 that's awesome. And that's rare. But, but at the same token, what you just said is a hundred percent true pet, but you do have to be honest with people also. Totally. Yeah. Whether is that, that's what you're, you're paying, you know, that's what they're paying you for. Mm. And the second someone starts telling dog owners what they want to hear, that's, that's just, to me, that's, that's thievery. You can't do that. Yep. You got to be honest with people. You know, you have to be, whether it hurts or not, whether it makes you uncomfortable you got to be honest with people, you know? Totally. Another interesting thing that happened recently is that over the last couple of weeks, I've just had a bit of a run of people that have contacted me to do a lesson that haven't even got a dog yet. Like they're about to get a puppy and they've just said to me, can you give me some coaching on what to do in how to get the puppy ready for home? And, you know, some simple things that we can start doing. It's been a delight because Mm. I've been having some very honest conversations with them. Like you said, Larry, we're having some laughs and we're having a bit of a chat about things. And I'm because te- I'm raising a puppy at the moment, and they've been watching me on Instagram, and because I've been posting some update videos and so forth, and they're saying, you know, what are the things you like and don't like, and you know, can you tell me? And one lesson I did was more about me telling a story about the, the puppy, my likes and dislikes, and my thoughts, and where I can see this pup going, and some of my reservations and so forth. And like I got into, you know, fifty-five minutes of the hour lesson, I said dude, all I've done is just talk about the puppy and they go, yeah, but that's what I wanted. And I said, yeah, but I feel bad that I've, you know, like we've charged for this lesson because it's just me. You could have listened to me do this on the podcast. And they said, no, 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 this is relevant because it's all the things that I want to go through at home and all the things that I want to see. Like I basically want to try and see through your eyes on how you see this puppy. And I said, well, that's this puppy. It might not be your puppy. You know, like I said, it's like the Thai people say in Thailand, same, same, but different, which is a saying I absolutely love and I use it regularly. And I said, because your puppy, even though there are going to be similarities, 
it might be lower in drive or it might be higher in drive or there might be so many little nuances that are unique to your pup that you'll go, oh, that fucking Glenn's a liar. You know, like he said, this is going to happen and that didn't happen. Nonetheless, it was still a very interesting and fun conversation to have that I enjoyed every single minute of it. And let me tell you, that 55 minutes went by like it was five minutes. Felt like a five-minute chat. Yeah. I think a lot of people really enjoy those conversations. You know, I've, I've had people here before where the weather gets real bad. We get a scary storm, but you know, we're about to start training the dog and we're sitting in my house, bullshitting for an hour, hour and a half. And, you know, and I tell them, you, Hey, this don't count towards your lessons, you know? And they'll say, this was the best lesson yet. This was great <laughs> because people like to have those conversations and ask questions and hear your view on a lot of different things that maybe you don't get to focus on when you're working with the dog. You, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, just like, it's just like I tell people you're going to a workshop. If I go to a seminar, I haven't been to one in a long time and I'm itching. I'm dying to go to some seminars. Same. I don't want to bring a dog. I want to sit there and take everything in with every dog that's worked, you know, and, and Pat, you know, you've done a bunch of seminars here now and I've sent, bunch of people to your seminars, some clients that when you're in the area and I ask them every single time, Hey, how was it? Did you enjoy it? And every single person I've talked to that goes to your seminars here in the States, they all start off with the same comment. They say, he's a really great teacher. And that's, that's big. You know, that's that's really, that's what it's all about. Every single person. He's a great teacher. He's a very good teacher, like extremely good. They don't mention my hair. That, (laughs) <laughs> they don't because <laughs> I, I put a lot of work into that and um frankly i'm disappointed yeah. that that's not the first thing they all say. <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing it's pretty amazing <laughs> thank you that's what i was waiting for thank you i you managed to I, I noticed no one's mentioned my hair <laughs> <laughs> no thanks i appreciate it mate. and like that's you know that i work pretty hard on that that it does feel good to hear that there's people way way better with a dog than me but i think my skill set is uh passing on the knowledge that i have and i really enjoy doing it I, i'm I'm the same. It, you know, we haven't had, I don't think there's been a single seminar here in Australia this year that we've gone to. No, nothing. And so I've been itching to go to one. Last you know, year, man. Yeah, last year, sorry. Mm. Uh, like I'm itching to go to one because I miss the people and the yes. hanging out at it and the community and all mm. that. And, you know, like having access to new information. Like I consider myself an eternal student. I just finished Ivan's course. You know, like you never stop learning. He's got to keep pushing forward. And yeah, I haven't taught one either. So it's going to be, I may not be getting such good comments next when I eventually do. Mm. It might be a little bit rusty. I think it definitely is a skill that you could get rusty on. If you're Absolutely. Not yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. There's an element to teaching. I think like I use a lot of stories and quite a lot of humor when I'm teaching. And I think that it's like a comedian doing their act. Like you got to hit the right notes at the right time, you know, like to have people understand it. Like that's, what's important to me is that people don't just get the technique, but they walk away going like, Oh, when I face a similar problem, I'll know what to do because I don't need the exact same problem. I'll I'll see the same thing and sort of remember how to put it, put the pieces together. Mm. Hey, changing gears a little bit, mate. You said just before we started recording and I've seen you put it on Facebook as well, that you're getting a puppy soon. I am. You've got a few dogs. I think you've got three dogs of your own currently, right? Yeah. And you've had a few before. So tell us about what's your plan for this puppy? And I don't mean plan as like what's the trajectory of the dog and, you know, what are you going to do with it? What's it going to compete in? But what have you 
learned from raising the dogs, your personal dogs before that you're not going to do, right? Because you think, oh, I didn't like how that turned out. And and what are you thinking with this puppy? Like, what are you excited about? Like trying something new or or do you at this point have your formula so set that you're just like, nah, I know what I'm doing and this is the path? You know, Pat, every dog we've ever had, each one has been a little better than the last. Mm-hmm. And for one, it starts with good genetics. So I'm getting good dogs. And I usually know where I made mistakes with the last one and Mm -hmm. things that I would like to do different. Okay. Um, With Mango, my female Malinois, she is a phenomenal dog. Like everything my family wanted, you know, we did so much right with her. We had probably 200 kids here coming to the house on Halloween. She's out there greeting everyone. She's playing with three-year-old toddlers running around and throwing a ball with her and playing hide and seek. I wanted a combination. I wanted her to be a combination of my old Rottweiler, Bruno, and Luca, my older Malinois. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much got her there. With the puppy that's coming, the shepherd I'm getting, I definitely have some interest in getting into IGP with him. Cool. And so cool. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, most likely, in preparing a puppy for that because I've never done it. So each one of my dogs they do all the exercises that they do in IGP, right? Everything. If you go back and look at Luca, he was very young and could everything except for tracking when it comes to the, the bite work and the retrieving and the all that stuff. I just enjoy teaching that stuff, you mm-hmm. know, but for me to put it together with a puppy in the proper way, if I don't seek out help, I know I'll fuck it up. <laughs> 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 and and I don't want to I don't want to do that. So I I just want to try to start from the beginning, and maybe I'm being overly cautious, but I just want to kind of prepare the puppy in the beginning. Whether I compete or not, I'm going to say I'm going to, and so I I want to learn from the people in that world that have done well for a long time, and help me not make mistake. So I have to wait for my next dog to be a little more successful. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm not looking at, you know, I don't expect to do anything spectacular or marvelous. I just want to give it a shot now that I have some more time on my hands. And if I do something, I'm going to put everything I have behind it and probably get a little obsessed with it. And I want to do well. So I need someone to guide me on things not to do mostly. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Can I ask who you have in mind to go to for that info? Oh, geez. You know, there's a few people that, you know, I'm just huge fans of and respect. Bart's always going to be a big influence on me, of course. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't don't even have to say that anymore. I love the way Ivan does things and and I consume his stuff at nauseum. I consume Dave Croyer stuff at nauseum Mm -hmm. big time. Mm -hmm. I, I pay my subscription to his channel. And, you know, that guy is just he's good at so many things. He's and he's just a just a good dude. I'm a big fan of Tobias Olenek also. I mm-hmm. love the way Tobias teaches. A really great guy. I've met Tobias and just a really good dude. I think Wallace Payne is another one. I did a live with him also. You know, old school Schutzen guy. No bullshit. Ton of respect for him. And so I figure I have a little time. I definitely see me making some road trips with this dog and paying them for their time. And and I just want to get better. And to be honest, my Malinois breeder right here in town, Mohawk Malinois, my buddy, John, he's a best kept secret. He's a phenomenal trainer, but he's just known as someone who breeds Malinois. 
and I respect him a great deal. He's a great guy and a great trainer. Um, the breeder I'm getting him for, my buddy Terry, has been doing it for a long, long time, and I respect him a ton, and I trust him. So I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a pain in the ass to a lot of people. Yeah. I really am. You know, just teach me. I'm a student. I'm a lifelong student. Just teach me how to how to get there. You know. Well, you've picked a good tier of people to go to. Sure. Listen, if you're going to do something, why wouldn't you try to seek out the best? It makes no sense to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, if you're going to train an IGP dog, don't come to me. You know, go to these people I just talked about, mm. you know? I think it's funny to hear you say that, oh, maybe I'll do some IGP and then I'm watching your face light up as you're talking about like the exciting training journeys that you're going to go on. So it seems yeah. almost certain to me that you're going to be doing a lot of IGP. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the puppy was a surprise. I didn't plan on getting a puppy and I was doing a seminar in Tucson. And when I got out of the seminar that night, my wife and kids and my buddy, who's the breeder is FaceTiming me. And I'm thinking, is my buddy at my house with my wife hitting FaceTime by accident or what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what the... So I answer it and, you know, and I knew he had puppies because I've, I've trained one of his dogs as a puppy and it, I was just fell in love. And they say, hey, we got a little retirement surprise for you. And I think my wife is just scared to death with me having too much time on my yeah, hands. Yeah, she's <laughs> trying to keep you busy. Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. yeah, it's exciting definitely. getting a puppy and it's so, yeah, the possibilities are endless. And I think as trainers, certainly I've been guilty of this, you know, we get this like, okay, I've got to teach this, 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 and this, and I've got this whole program. It's got to be this by this time. And I have forgotten yeah. in the past to just, you know, just fall in love with the dog a little bit and just let them be little brutes. Mm-hmm. And yep. I think that's the most important part of, of anything is, you know, training a dog to do IGP. If you get the right dog that knows nothing at two years old, you can still be world champion. It, like that puppy period is not about learning behaviors. It's about developing a brain. And you know that better than anyone, mate. And I, I'm excited to see the journey of it. I think it'll be good for a lot of people to yeah. see that. Mm. And I like the idea that you've put it out there that there is a trajectory for that puppy to do IGP, but people will probably more than likely get to see you raise doing the more the most important part is turning it into the right dog before it gets the right training Mm. yeah i just listen i've gotten good dogs my malinois or great dogs and when people give me credit i say i got you know i got really well-bred dogs it was just my job not to fuck them up that's it you know and i've done pretty good on that end i got good dogs to start with and so it was easy it was absolutely easy you know my first malinois i got at the right time i really did that wasn't long after i first went to see bart and so that fire was lit under me and everything mm-hmm. was fresh and i had this open canvas and you know i was just i was obsessed just obsessed with doing things mm. and uh so I'm looking forward to starting over big time. I really am. There'll be plenty of people that want to see me fail, and that's okay. If I do, I'm a pet dog guy, and I'm okay with failing. I really am. But I love having a goal to do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you know, having your own dog train like that is what keeps the fire alive for pet dog training. It means that you know you can do the mundane, boring stuff over and over and over and over and teach dogs to walk on a loose leash and sit and stay on their place and all that all day, every day. But you know, like with my own dog, I'm, I've got some exciting shit going on. I'm, I'm, you know, making big yeah. moves and, and I'm still learning myself. You know, so and with a puppy, you yeah. get to start yeah. again. Like it's a blank slate that there's no writing on it. Like you're developing the plan from the get go. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I really am. Mm. Absolutely. Hey, mate, 
Thanks so much for making the time to come on. And sorry that I uh, opened up Pandora's box there for you. Yeah, I was, I, just, <laughs> I was just sort of wanted to hear how you handle it so well. And, uh, I, you know, who knows what's going to happen in a month from when you're out of the service. Who, so stay tuned on that space. That's about the most you'll ever hear me speak of it. And then I won't talk about it anymore, you know, but, but sometimes it gets old. And listen, guys, I wasn't kidding when I made that post yesterday. You guys do a tremendous job. You're such a gift to this industry. I'm so glad I got to meet you in person at the conference, and I pray we get to do it again in San Diego. I really mm. do. Yeah. You know, I think what you're doing is phenomenal. You're a phenomenal team, the two of you, and please don't ever stop because we need it. We absolutely need it. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. Let me turn so that circle jerk back at you and and, <laughs> <laughs> and say that I really appreciate all the stuff you put out too, and I think Likewise. that, mate, there's probably – you could probably tell me the numbers, but there would be hundreds of thousands or millions of people you've never met that you've helped solve mm. their dog problem just by the content you put out. There's so much out there and there, you know, if you search, I've got this issue with my dog, there's a video of you explaining how to fix it. And I think you've probably helped thousands and thousands of people you've never met and never heard of. So, yep. you know, congratulations to you, mate. I really appreciate you. And there's another compliment I'd like to pay you too, which is twofold. One, that you're a very real guy, like you keep it real. You're a very genuine person. And one of the things I really genuinely love about you is that your genuine affection and praise to people in the industry. Like I always see you talking to people and your enthusiasm in your conversations you have and how supportive you are of those people too, Larry. Like people that, you know, have never really had a break in the industry and haven't had a go yet and people have never heard of them. Like you've shared them to the industry and just your enthusiasm and your passion and it is always appreciated. Like I've watched a lot of your lives and just interviews with people and, you know, the way you wrap it up and talk to people, it's awesome. Well done, mate. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate you guys very much. Love the hell out of both of you, man. All right, I'm going to wrap hey, this up on, before on, this on, becomes on, a sticky hang mess. On, hang on, hang on, before we do wrap it up. <laughs> I can never look at you straight again in the face like we're doing now. Like, I've, I don't know if you noticed, but I've always been periodically smirking because I keep thinking of that video <laughs> where your daughter filmed it where you're panicking that you're going to poo your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Shitting yourself as an adult well, is a treat. There's, there's been a few, there's been a few <laughs> more graphic ones recently that we'll avoid. <laughs> Mate, you cannot understand the amount of joy and how many really solid belly laughs I've had from re-watching that video over and over again and just the panic look on your face to try and find somewhere with a public <laughs> toilet. <laughs> All right. It happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for another episode of the K9 Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, please like, rate, share, subscribe. Do that through whatever subscription service you download us from. Be specific. Tell us about how Larry saved the show. That <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> give us a like. Give him a like. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is Patreon. Three bucks a month gets you extra content in there. But, of course, you can pay whatever you like. You could buy us a cruise ship if that was in your budget. Another way to support the show is Teespring. You jump in there and get yourself some cool merch. You can rep the canine paradigm. We've got some cool designs thanks to Avery and Zoe. Your wife. My wife, yeah. Some cool designs there people can get. And if you want to get in contact with us, the best way to do that, if you want dog training info, 
best way to do that is to group source that in our Facebook group. There's a lot of good feedback you can get from there or you can search in there if you've got questions that have already been answered. So that's the Canine Paradigm Discussion Group on Facebook. But if you have questions for me and Glenn, or if you've recently written an intensely annoying song and you want to come on the podcast to talk oh about God. it, which we are going to ignore that email and save you guys the hassle, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll play it for you afterwards, Larry. Uh, you could shoot us an email. We are info at the canineparadigm.com. That's it. Thanks, Larry.